0: 12 fans we have uh we have a first on this podcast this podcast has been going since uh, since the Willie Taggart days of Oregon football um so as y'all know whenever we go against uh, another opponent uh we like to offer them if if they kick the crap out of the ducks or if they really embarrass the ducks we offer them a platform come on the podcast and, and we'll let you glow all you want you know like, like sometimes it kind of feels good, you know, to have like your flaws kind of really pointed out by a rival or, or whatever, a, a Pac-12 foe. And uh, we had a wonderful guest, of course, as you all remember, uh, Avery Grapes uh avery of the no truck stops podcast a pod y'all should be listening to especially uh for factual basketball coverage it's been really really nice listening to that but oh, oh just a wonderful podcast in general covering this crazy messed up uh backstabby conference that we all know and love and um let me tell you fans avery took us up on the offer to come in here and uh you know uh, talk up the Utes, talk trash to the ducks, really whatever you want, Avery. Avery, uh, my first question is just, um, how about the mutes?
1: How about the mutes? I feel very good about the mutes right now. I bet they they exceeded all expectations for me on Saturday. That is for sure
0: now, I know that like when I, in a big game, I mean, you could not even talking about this season for the ducks, but just in general. Uh, In a big game, even if my team's got a lead in the first half or or, or has just looked just crazy dominant, which Utah did just completely embarrass the Ducks, um, I still kind of got that pit in my stomach of like, Oh, this is going to be embarrassing if the other when or if the other team just turns it on and pulls a you know um, TCU Oregon Alamo Bowl situation. Uh, did you feel like when did you start to feel confident of like oh no we got this in the bag? Was it much earlier than that? Was it like not until the final whistle or or what were you thinking?
1: Yeah, um, there's been a few times this season where Oregon's opponents have jumped out to a two score lead against mm-hmm. them um Stanford being one of them and Oregon Mm -hmm. got right back in the game it wasn't even a big deal at all and Mm. so I was going into this yeah and Washington going into this game I was that was definitely something I was thinking about you know if Utah jumps out to a lead it might not stay there like it's a very there's a very good chance that Oregon comes back um and honestly going into halftime I felt really good about our lead uh (laughs) we were 28 to (laughs) zero I think that the punt return Covey's punt return at the Oof. end of the half definitely sealed my confidence there you know you could always come back from a four score deficit but when you had like no luck getting in the end mm-hmm. zone at all in the first half I wasn't super concerned you know Oregon has a talent though so it's always possible but after that punt return I was kind of like oh my gosh I think we're going to win this game which is we, crazy because uh- it took me 28 points to get there
0: <laughs> and um yeah and we on our podcast we already uh you know broke down this game uh you know cried a little bit and I I too said that was the moment I was like oh no no there's no chance that was truly such a back-breaking moment you know um and uh we gotta say you know uh great performance from Utah it, and really it, it was interesting because Cristobal you know he's really transformed this team into more of a you know grind it out like you know uh, get three four five yards on the ground or or like big running yard uh chunk yards but just like be physical tough blah 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 Utah's been that for a very long time and I think just uh you know thematically this really did feel like uh such a Whittingham moment of being like no I'm the old school (laughs) you know like tough guy in the Pac-12 it felt pretty big for him is this like I, I where where would you think on the top of your head this would rank for all-time Utah wins. Is this like a top 10, top 5? What is it?
1: Uh, this is without a doubt the biggest win in the Pac-12 era for Utah. Mm. I don't really think there's an argument there. Um, mm-hmm. As for all-time for Utah, it definitely, I would say it's a top 5 win. Um, there's That's obviously... A The 2004 season when we went to the Fiesta Bowl and busted the BCS and beat Pitt there, that's a huge win. Not over the best opponent in the world, but like being the first team to bust the BCS is a huge accomplishment. Mm -hmm. Um, And then obviously, again in 2008, when we beat uh, Alabama in the Sugar Bowl, which beating Alabama in a huge bowl game like that, you can't take for granted course is also like a huge win but i would even say this is a bigger win than both of those um just because i think this is going to be the biggest thing so far that has happened for utah recruiting um utah in the pac-12 i think the last few years has proven that it deserves to be here but this is kind of like that cementing point that they made like no We're the best in this conference. You know, this might not be the best year for the Pac-12, but like we can blow anyone out in this conference. (laughs) So I would definitely put it in the top five. And I think it has an argument for number one all time.
0: Oh boy. Wow. Yeah. Over up uh, Alabama, we're blushing oh, over here.
1: Yeah. You should. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and it'll be funny like uh depending on how the season goes from like the for the rest of time, uh Utah fans will then have to defend uh, how good this Oregon team was in 2021. Yeah. Like you don't get it. This was a oh man, wonderful team. <laughs> they beat Ohio State. Um and uh, I'll tell you this some duck fans were hoping like you know if, if they beat us again if we make it to the Pac-12 championship game and if they beat us again um, let's just hope he goes to a Rose Bowl uh, beats whoever he plays in the Rose Bowl and then he thinks you know what this is a great time to retire he, <laughs> like that's what we're really hoping for
1: yeah I think most of the conference is hoping for that for sure <laughs>
0: And then, uh, I mean, um, what are the moments that, that really stick out into your mind? Of just some that'll, you know, be on the uh, on the scoreboards for uh, Utah plays Oregon some other time in the future.
1: Well, like I said, the punt return by Britton Covey is is probably the uh. moment. Um, I think that like was a very good at summing up what happened in the game. Honestly, I think the coaching. Uh, differences here really Mm -hmm. told the story I think it was very clear that Utah had the better coaching plan and executed it way better and Mario Cristobal choosing to punt to Britton Covey um is might be one of the biggest mistakes for him this season uh oh yeah (laughs) you know Britton Covey is a gadget player. He will make those moves. He hasn't run back a score in a little bit, but if you give him the opportunity to, he will mess stuff up. And that definitely should have happened. I think the blocked punt, I mean, the block field goal that Cole Bishop got, Cole Bishop is one of our true freshman safeties. He is a talent. And I think that Looking at Cole Bishop, every fan in the Pac-12 should be scared. Um, This has been a little bit of a down year for Utah defense. And I said this when I joined your guys' podcast, but it's because of youth. It's not because of Mm -hmm. anything Utah's doing wrong. It's because of youth. And Cole Bishop making that play and keeping Oregon scoreless in the first half um, Mm -hmm. is very telling of the future for Utah's football's defense. And they're going to be back. And everyone should be concerned because – This that's what this team likes to do. That's what Utah likes to do. They like to have an insanely good defense and an offense that can do just enough to get it done. And it was really great to watch this game and see Utah's defense have the best game this season. Um, Most of everyone's concerns have been with the defense, uh, especially the secondary. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Anthony Brown may have helped us there (laughs) a little bit. He missed quite a few throws that should have been easy to make uh, Mm -hmm. for a quarterback that's on the number three team in the country. But we, we let him test us. We let Oregon test our defense, and they couldn't do it. And I think that just all of those defensive stops are going to be huge. You know, the story of this game for me isn't Utah's offense, even though it was really incredible. Um, it's the defense. And, you know, even if this isn't the best Utah team defense-wise, they're still going to be better than a lot of the teams in the conference. So, you know, most of those defensive stops are going to be, like, the moments for me when I look back at this game.
0: Absolutely. And then of course, uh, what makes it even more interesting, which I, I just, I would like to see this, even though we just, you know, literally just got our ass kicked by it. Um, the idea of a rematch like this, w- I just love it. I love the idea. I, I really like the idea of not playing in Salt Lake City. That's <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So when you're thinking about this, I I mean, I'm sure Utah fans would love another opportunity to play the Ducks, you know, Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts on a rematch? I mean, uh, would you think, oh, that's going to be a lot closer game? Are you thinking like, hey, I'm feeling pretty confident right now, or would you rather go? I mean, I would imagine you'd rather go against, I don't know, Washington State, maybe not Oregon State, but uh, uh, what are your (laughs) thoughts on this rematch to end this?
1: Yeah, you know, I I really did think Utah was going to win this game. We have an insane right. home field advantage. I am, like, very high on our atmosphere in Salt Lake City. We haven't lost a game with fans at home since early 2018. Like, great home environment. So that gave us a huge edge there. So I thought this game was going to be close. I did not think Utah was going to win by 31 points. I didn't even think Utah was going to win by 10 points. So <laughs> before this game, if I would have told you, yeah, I think we're going to win. But when we play them again in the conference championship, I think that's a scary game. I don't know if I feel that way anymore because it's 30, like a 31 point deficit, you know, even on a neutral field, that's a, that's a huge deficit to make up. And like I said, I think coaching is a huge thing here where, you know, I think Mario Cristobal does a lot of things well, Mm -hmm. namely recruiting and Mm -hmm. hiring really great assistants, but in-game decision-making and game planning, I don't think is as great. So maybe if we were going up against a coaching staff that I was more high on for that, I would be more concerned about. Um, but having a neutral field is definitely the biggest thing here. Um, can Utah beat Oregon on a neutral field? I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure, but like this huge margin <laughs> that we beat them by makes me feel a little bit more confident. There's also that stat um, that's been going around. I believe it's in seasons where the PAC 12 championship matchup played each other in the regular season, the team that won the first game won the championship five out of six times I believe is the Mm. stat so there's that but I want to say the
0: six is I think uh, 2014 when Oregon played Arizona lost Arizona and then played them again yeah that's probably what it is I'm guessing
1: that's what it would be Um, but there's also the stat that only one Pac-12 South champion has won the (laughs) Pac-12 conference championship in the era so that's kind of scary um, I, I think also a rematch... the, the
0: fact that uh, that 2014 team had uh, Marks Mariota and this team has Anthony Brown leading exactly,
1: <laughs> so... yeah, yeah, definitely not as scared about the quarterback situation. I think a rematch would be super interesting, but if we're being honest, I much rather play Oregon State. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, I Oregon State, I think. And I'll, i talk very highly on Oregon state. I think Oregon state has the most fun offense to watch in the entire mm-hmm. conference. I get a kick out of watching what Jonathan Smith's been doing up there. Um, and they beat us in the regular season. And obviously we play Colorado this week, but I feel pretty good about our chances that we'll only go into the conference championship with one loss. And I would really love like to avenge that loss against Oregon state. And I think it would just like overall be a very fun matchup to watch, but you know, I, if we played Oregon, I'd feel I'd feel pretty pretty good about our chances. I have a little bit of PTSD because we're zero two in conference championships in the last three years, well, all of our time in the Pac-12. So I don't know. I don't know. I think Utah has a really good chance um, of winning that game, but we'll have to see who they go up against.
0: There you go. Uh, that is Avery of No Truck Stops Pod um, at Brave Underscore Grapes on Twitter. And you know Avery's such a, a awesome, wonderful guest that she's not going to rub our face in the loss too much. <laughs> um, so I will let her words from the previous episode end this little segment as its own way of you know rubbing our face in it. Um, Avery, you've been a great guest, and I'd love to hopefully. You know, maybe we'll get a chance to talk Oregon-Utah in the Pac-12 championship game. I don't yeah, know. that'd be We're really afraid. interesting. <laughs> We're afraid of the Beavers. We'll tell you, you that You should much. be. <laughs> yeah, we very much are. <laughs> All right. Uh, talk to you sometime in the future, and here's your voice.
1: And you compare him to Cole Bishop, who feels like at least, you know, in the last couple of games has been so disruptive. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see this week because... I don't think, um, I don't know your opinions on Anthony Brown. I don't think Anthony Brown's a good quarterback. <laughs> I think he's. We well a in the lot of opinions. <laughs> yeah, I think he's well in the bottom half of the Pac-12, and I think Utah's <laughs> gonna win this game by forcing him to throw. But it's like scary Ooh. to no, force him to throw against this <laughs> defensive <laughs> crack field. Like I'm a little bit terrified, but at the same time, Anthony Brown's isn't good. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Let's get happen.
0: Welcome Quack12 fans. Oh man, we've got, I mean, possibly the biggest game uh, of of the millennium coming up here is what it kind of feels like. That's not true, but um, (laughs) I mean, it doesn't even have a a rivalry name anymore, so uh, maybe it's not the biggest game, but Oregon versus Oregon State, it's freaking huge, whatever we call it. The Platypus Classic, the the Oregon Classic, whatever you want to call it, because damn, we got some stakes. We got some stakes. One of these teams is going to feel real bad at the end of Saturday. And, uh, I mean, obviously, we are a Oregon Duck podcast, so we'd rather it be the Beavers. But our wonderful guest here, uh, we've had on over the years many times to talk about Oregon State. Uh, there's been times when Oregon State's embarrassed us. The reverse has been true. It's actually been a pretty good back and forth, which is saying something com- uh, when you consider that Oregon State, you know, has not got that Phil Knight money. They just got, like... Good hard football hearts is kind of what it feels like a lot of the times. And uh I mean, how can you not like their coach? Even I feel like even most Duck fans, most of the Pac-12, really likes what he's doing down there. Uh and I, I gotta say, so Travis Johannes, um uh you can see his his tweets on Building the Dams Twitter account. Uh he's just a friend of the show, really knows his beavers. Uh Travis, how you doing before this big game?
2: You know I'm doing all right. I'm a. It's it's a. If you told me coming into the season that going into the last game, Oregon State would still have a shot at going to the Pac-12 championship game, I would have taken that in a heartbeat. So yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. Uh, And and I don't know. We we were talking a little about this before, but um, uh, which fan base would be more destroyed? losing this game more upset you know and i I kind of feel like it'd be oregon just because uh even though a lot of people you know a lot of duck fans didn't really think oh the the national championship is a place where we deserve to be the playoffs and it's a place where we're definitely going like a lot of people were a little shaky on that but when you're told that, that that's a possibility the whole time going from that all of a sudden to an alamo bowl would be not very fun but i don't know i don't know how would would oregon or oregon state fans you got all your eggs in this basket or are you just stoked to be there what are you feeling
2: oh, i think I, I i think a lot of it honestly is going to come down to the apple cup on friday i think <laughs> if if u-dub can can pull that off which yeah, i don't know i i don't know what what what's going on up at u-dub but i also don't know what's going on at, up at wazoo it's the it, it, that's, that one's hard to figure out. But if Utah pulls that off, then the, then the uh, then the the game on Saturday I almost called it the old name. Yeah, um, no, I know. Then that game then uh, that game lines up for the uh, Pac-12 title game, which I think at that point I think Oregon State fans would be a little more heartbroken to lose, just because you know Oregon Oregon's been there um, mm-hmm. at least once. Maybe twice. I don't
0: really know. <laughs> <laughs> not keeping track. Um,
2: I'm not. Yeah, I don't really. I don't really follow those sorts of things. But Oregon State, on the other hand, um, hasn't. And honestly, I, when when did they start that game? When did the that when did the Pac-12 title game become? Because I don't oh. think Oregon State has even come close to sniffing it.
0: That's right. If, I want to say was 2011. it because it 2011? Is that it? Like right when the Pac-12? Okay. Yeah.
2: That, yeah. So right. Right about before Oregon State really went into pooper um, for a few years, um, so yeah, I think I think at that point if it's if it's lined up for the for that for the uh, Pac-12 title game, I think I think Oregon State fans are gonna to be a little more hurt. Now, if otherwise, yeah, I don't know if it's just if you, Wazoo pulls it off and then that's not in line. I, I don't know, probably maybe Oregon. I'm not sure at that point, but yeah. I think the Apple Cup is gonna is gonna play a big role in some of the feelings, the extra feelings coming Saturday.
0: Well that that's nice because you're giving us a little extra uh encouragement to root for Washington State, which we didn't need it, but yeah, sure. We're not. <laughs> um
2: all right. And so, it would be sorry, it would be funny though if Washington State won and then Oregon State won and Washington State was in the Pac twelve tile game after what they've been doing up there with uh
0: Yeah. Yeah. That would be funny, too, and I was actually talking to uh, Avery, who's a uh, Avery of the No Truck Stops podcast, and she's a big Utah fan, and she was saying, like, uh, honestly, I think we'd rather, like, a lot of you fans would rather play Washington State just because, uh, or no, I think they said they'd rather play Oregon State because it's, like, the one Pac-12 team that really beat them, you know, and you can, like, check that off the list, kind of. So, I, I don't know. Was, or maybe it was just an extra insult to Oregon that she wanted to pepper in in that interview. I don't know. After just destroying our team. Um, And, and you know, if transitive wins are a thing, then the Beavers should be just coveted in and cleaned it up. I, they're not, but we'll see what happens.
2: I was I was actually thinking about the transitive win things, looking at both who oh. who Oregon State has lost to and who Oregon has lost to. And it makes... there. If there's ever an argument that transit wins don't mean a damn thing, that's it right there. If you <laughs> yeah. look at, we lost to Colorado, Cal, and Wazoo, and I think Oregon beat all three of those teams pretty handedly.
0: Uh, you said Cal, Wazoo, and who's that other one you lost to? Colorado. 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 No, that is right. That, that no. is, Why well, that's a confusing season. But, but Research Stadium, once you get there, your ass is getting kicked. We know that this season. Thank God. That, this yeah. There.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That's you guys would cue those fog machines again, like you did last time, and then things would get a lot harder. for. We all know you did it. It's all
3: right. What I think is hilarious is that the only road game that Oregon State won was at USC, the place that they hadn't won since 1960. It's like <laughs> just a total inversion.
2: Yeah, it, make, it makes a lot of sense. Just don't, don't think too hard about it. Makes back 12 cents, sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: And so it, uh, we're going into this game, Duck fans, I'm sure you're so nervous. Um, what may ease your pain? I don't know what may ramp up your anxiety is really diving into this Oregon State roster. And that's what we're going to do with our friend Hithliday of Addicted to Quack. Uh, follow him on Hithliday, on Twitter at Hithliday, H-Y-T-H-L-O-D-A-Y. Number one, uh, Hithliday, why don't you walk us through this?
3: Uh, well, let's start with the quarterback. Um, there was, uh, uh, you know, obviously, you know, some, some sturm and drang about the position over the off season. We had a hard time pinning it down. I think there were some guys who were injured during fall camp. Um, but for all of that, it's in Chance Nolan the whole way. Uh, what have you thought about Chance Nolan?
2: Yeah, it's, i was just sorry i was thinking about our podcast right the beat before the season when we talked about the quarterback position mm-hmm. and and i think like the day after we recorded news broke that sam Noyer was coming yeah, to right. around and then then he actually got the start but um lasted about a half before yeah. nolan took over and nolan He's an interesting case. There's a lot of times where it's like, oh, man, this guy has so much talent. There's so much much there that's pretty raw. And then there's times where I'm not sure what he's looking at, and he just slings a ball as far as he can. And not really necessarily to anybody, just going to sling it. So the, the, the games they have struggled in, it's easy, pretty easy to draw a line to Chance Nolan struggling. Um, but overall, I think he's he's done a pretty good job. Obviously, this team has seven wins. The offense has been pretty good. It's mostly the running game, but he's, for the most part, done a pretty good job of kind of quote-unquote being a game manager, I guess you would say. You know, <laughs> not necessarily – they're not really counting on him to, to win the game, but – He's done for the most part a pretty good job of uh not losing the game and, and kind of coming up with the plays when they need to be there. His mobility is is nice. It's not something Oregon State has had at the quarterback position that often. So yeah, i yeah, he's
3: a, not a total jugs machine, you know. He's not a guy where if the pocket starts to break down, like that's it. He's he's totally taking the sack. Like he's not I wouldn't categorize him as a running quarterback, though. Like that's just not really part of the offense.
2: No, but but he does at least have that ability when things break down he can get out of the pocket and maybe pick up a few yards instead of like yeah. said just kind of going up oh, oh wow well, there's a sack.
3: <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah no I, I watched a couple of Oregon State quarterbacks where it's like you know any if the pocket collapses at all that's it it's a sack and a sack is just devastating to the drive given the, you know the structure of Oregon State's offense and like that was that and and yeah I, actually if I had to pick out any one thing um it, that you know makes oregon State's offense i think better this year than in the past uh you know obviously a lot of the elements that may made, made this offense a very good offense this year have been present in the past I'm not trying to take away from them but I think you know the, the thing that maybe more than anything else has changed is that nolan's not given up a, you know a bunch of sacks and therefore a bunch of drive killers every you know every game you know what I mean
2: yeah. Yeah, it definitely gives that that extra element of like, yeah, of being able to skip ability and be able to pick up a few yards with his feet. You
3: know. It's interesting too because well, a lot of it is. It's the structure of the offense. Like if you look at Chance Nolan's stats, like the stats look really good, right? Like his completion percentage is like 65%. He's got a really high yards per attempt. You know, his his uh, NCAA passer rating is well above average. But then I turn on the film and I watch him and I'm like, oh, this is being created. You know what I mean? Like this is – there's really only one throw in – John. you know, the, the person who should get the credit is Jonathan Smith. You know what I mean? Like I feel like I'm watching, you know, a really good play caller – in a really, you know, well-designed in-sync offense rather than, you know, a quarterback who's making plays all on his own. You know what I mean? Do you agree with that assessment?
2: Yeah, I would think so. I think that's the the coaching staff has done a really good job of kind of utilizing the talents he had and not putting him in situations that, uh, that he can't handle. So.
3: And it's also definitely the case too, where, you know, I look at these stats and then I watch the film on the guy and like a couple of his throws are gorgeous. I'm going to put at least one of them in my article where it's like, wow, you know, that, that was a hell of a throw, but like a lot of his throws just sort of look like chance, come on, <laughs> like, <that's, laughs> you know, like, have you felt that way too? Or
2: yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> sort of what I was alluding to the earlier when you just see sometimes it's just like, Oh, that was a run. And then times I'm like, where exactly where are you? someone caught it but i'm not sure that's where that was exactly supposed
3: to go yeah exactly like i'm not exactly seeing like precision passing here and a lot of times i'm just like well that's not where that ball was supposed to go um have you i'm a big fan of neuer the destroyer
0: too so i i was kind of bummed they didn't make it Hmm. the whole time i I was wanting neuer to just lead the team the whole way personally i was excited for that but no
3: Travis, have you ever, you know, figured out a, any kind of rhyme or re- I have not been able to. Have you ever figured out any kind of rhyme or reason for why sometimes he'll make a really good-looking throw and why sometimes he'll make a really bad-looking throw? I, I can't find any real correlation.
2: No. I, I, wish, <laughs> yeah. I wish I had an answer. I tried to think of maybe something I could make up, but I got nothing. And I
3: Yeah, I, I
1: got I, nothing, I, too. I
3: think,
2: I think the problem is nobody does because maybe if, yeah. if someone could have – kind of isolated what's going on there. You know, maybe they could have uh, the coaching staff could, could figure out, and change it, but I, I don't, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't seem to be a whole lot of any, any sort of it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. I, I bet guess. you there are yeah. a lot
3: of throws where he throws them and he goes, why did I do that? Like immediately afterwards is my guess. The other um, really interesting pattern is that it's like this offense is kind of like two offenses in one. There's the under center offense, which is the one that they use. Um, you know, about three quarters or 80% of the time. Um, you know, it's virtually all the time on first downs on second and short on second and mediums. Um, and you know, they're running two thirds of the time, you know, out of that, it's, you know, the under center, you know, 12 personnel, we're going to run, 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 run the ball occasionally do hit a play action pass, but, you know, it's, we're, we're basically telling you what we're going to do when we go under center. Um, and then, There's the other offense, which is the shotgun offense, which looks, you know, pretty much like every other Pac-12 shotgun offense. Um, uh, And that's the one they switch to in third down, you know, second and eight or longer, you know, situations. But then also basically all third downs, including third and short stuff, um, which is a little surprised by. Like they don't I would have expected more under center stuff on third and short. But no, they they go they drop back in. And that's the one where they're passing all the time, you know, like they're they're passing. You know, seventy-five percent of the time, um, you know, out of the shotgun, uh, and, uh, and 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 I don't know. Like, what do you think about that? Like, the the, the there's like like two different offenses being welded together here.
2: So I, one of the things I've wondered with that is if that sort of that shotgun offense is something that they would do a little more often if they had a quarterback. That could that that they really trusted to be that guy, and not somebody that they kind of had to, like we were talking about, where they they kind of game plan to him for the most part. But if you had sort of a stud quarterback, I wonder if they do go in that shotgun offense more often. But on but beyond that, I'm, yeah, it is kind of it is kind of interesting to see. There is times where it, it does sort of look like two different offenses in your.
3: I really think they're like speaking oh. of engineering things, like that's that was totally the answer I wanted to hear. Cause it's what of the to do, You know, like I think if they had a different quarterback, they would probably be operating out of the shotgun more often and like more unpredictably, you know. Um, but they don't, you know, they 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 pass when they feel they have to pass, and when they don't feel they have to pass, they just get under center and they run the ball because they trust BJ Baylor in the offensive line more than they trust Chance Nolan. I feel like that's how I would characterize this offense and its personnel. Do you think I'm off base with that?
2: No, I think that's basically that's right on. That with the especially with the offense line, it's done such a great job this year. Um, it's hard not to just sure say go no, run, yeah. run. run.
0: run. Are, it's working, yeah.
2: and 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 when when they do start passing quite a bit, um, you can see that. Most Oregon State fans aren't too big of a fan if you follow yeah, on right. Twitter because all of a sudden, every about half the people I'm following on Twitter are screaming, "Run the ball!" Why are we doing this? Why aren't we running anymore? So, yeah, because, yeah, it it, it it is hard to go away from something where you've had so much success with BJ Baylor and and to be, to be fair, uh, Trey Lowe and and Deshaun uh, Fenwick both. Yeah, I mean they they aren't getting the same amount of reps as Baylor. But obviously, when they've come in, they've both been pretty productive in their own right. So,
3: yeah, definitely. You know, they, they definitely have three viable backs. I, you're right that, um, you, you know, Baylor is getting the lion's share of the carries. But if, like, this isn't an offense where, if, you know, God forbid, you know, if anything happens to so the BJ Baylor were unavailable, I really don't think that the rushing offense would suddenly, you know, fall off. Um, I mean, hell, Trey Lowe is like the second leading receiver on the team in terms of receptions. Um, <laughs> like, you know, they throw a ton of screen passes and so forth to that guy. Um, yeah. It's it's a good rushing attack to have. It's just, it's, you know, this is, this is an offense that really, you know, not to be cliche about it, but it really reminds me of Stanford in the heyday where they're just like, you know what we're going to run and our offensive line is just better than yours and you can't stop us and we're really only going to pass either as an occasional surprise or because we have to because it's you know second and long or third down um and you know i again not to be cliche but like i think the way that you beat this offense is you win on first down you know if you put this offense behind the chains that you know that's when it, it sort of you know, that's when it struggles because like, that's not, you know, their, their game philosophy is ball control. Their game philosophy is to go on like these nine minute drives where they're running for like five yards, six yards, 10 yards, five yards. You know what I mean? Um, and, and that, you know, there's probably the reason why all your Twitter follows are going nuts when Oregon state <laughs> is throwing the ball is because like, yeah, that's because they're in a situation where they have to throw the ball and they would rather just not be in that situation in the first place, you yeah. know?
0: Vice versa, that that'll probably work on us
3: too if you just yeah, right. flip that. And... <laughs> <laughs> uh, does that does that like does that make sense to you that you know like the the games where Oregon State has gotten in trouble, it's because like they get stuffed on first down, which doesn't happen that often, but when it does, like the sort of the offense kind of like breaks down from there because they don't like playing from behind the chains. Does that does that match up with your perceptions?
2: Yeah, and a lot of times it's where they do, you know, uh, occasionally they'll throw the ball on first down, and if it goes incomplete, and then then everyone gets real upset that they threw the ball. Yeah. But yeah, it is sort of that same, because once, once you get into that sort of second and 10, you're like, oh, this is going to be, yeah, it really does put the offense back, because because it's hard to run for that much right after
3: that. <laughs> On the other hand, the the, uh, the other you know, the, maybe the third phase of the offense is the wildcat with Jack Coletto, um, uh, which they've done a lot of, um. <laughs>
0: and it's entertaining as hell. Let's be real; it's fun that, as hell. That is that that like you're sort of saying that that Stanford philosophy of like you know what we're gonna do,
2: stop <laughs> it. And I don't know; it's so impressive because every time Jack Coletto, it's just like okay everyone knows what is about to happen and <laughs> it the success rate on, on stopping it by other teams. It's just so small. I don't,
3: I mean, it's, it's, I, I, it's 25% uh, uh, Oregon state is a 75% success rate when they go to the wildcat, which is crazy. I mean, it's their most bad. successful play. Like, and uh,
2: it's Yeah. It's, it's, he, he is a, that man will be a beaver legend forever. And it's, and it's funny because it's one of those, he's, doesn't necessarily have a whole lot of stats or anything, but he just, between that and every, the fact that he plays defense, the fact that he's out there on kick return, like he just, he's always out Yo, there. Yeah. And, you know, yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah. I Jeff love he's never off the field. It's great. You know, he's a linebacker. He's a quarterback. He's yeah. a wildcat. He plays And making plays. And plays
2: in, in every, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's not just, oh, dude, out there. No, he's out there doing stuff.
0: Yeah. And I feel like when the offense, when they bring him out, I like hear like squeaky medieval wooden wheels. Like,
2: yeah, it's like,
0: like it's
3: so, yeah, I love the guy. He's cool. Um, uh Oregon State usually plays with a couple of tight ends in Katoriano, Musgrave. I got no problem with them. Uh, you know, I think they're pretty good blockers. I think they do what they do in the pass game pretty well. I am a little bit surprised. Oregon just played Utah, which, like, threw every pass that they tried to throw to um, to um tight ends. And uh, uh, some Oregon fans are a little, like, burnt about that. But, uh, you know, when I review the numbers, this offense isn't really trying to get the ball to the tight ends that much. They're really – they are predominantly trying to get the ball driven Trevin Bradford, Tyjon Lindsay, you know, Zariah Beeson, Champ Flemings, these, these guys. Um, and the, the tight ends and the, the running backs are kind of check downs. You know what I mean? Like, is that your perception of this offense too? Yeah,
2: for sure. I was actually having a conversation this weekend about that with, with a friend is like what the announcers always talk about how great our tight ends are, but we don't really seem to utilize them in the past game. So yeah, it is sort of that they, they are great blockers. Um, but I, I, I do feel like, And I don't know what it is, but it does feel like that's a missing element of the offense where we could get a little more out of them in the passing game.
3: Uh, well, I I think it sort of just reflects Jonathan Smith's traditionalism. He's like wide receivers are the people that you that receive the ball at the end, you know, like, uh, you know, like, or just like the way he structured his route tree is that the the tight ends are the checkdowns, you know, like they're not the primary read um, the way that like some teams at Oregon have played like Utah and Iowa State, you know, where it's like, no, no, it's the tight end show. Like, well, it's not really, you know, Oregon State's philosophy. It's, the, you know, they're receiving games to the receivers and, and the tight ends are like. Like, you know, the, the safety blanket. Um let's talk about the offensive line. Uh it, it is first of all, you predicted the offensive line exactly correctly in the off season. Congratulations, Travis. What you um, the, I don't remember uh,
2: most of the things I predicted in the off season. I think I said seven wins. Uh yeah. All right. Well, I um, hope I'm wrong oh, on that. Oh <laughs> yeah. I hope, I hope we get one more at least. No, no, but, you can't change yeah. it. You can't change it. Now. <laughs>
3: So, um, not a lot of surprises, you know, it was Joshua Gray at left tackle, Jake Levengood at left guard, Nathan Eldridge at center, Nooski Abunam, who I think sat out in 2020, but came back, um, for, for this year. And then Brandon Kipper, the you know, the longtime right tackle, but, uh, Jake Levengood, I think has been unavailable for the last several games. And they've been playing Marco Brewer instead at left guard. Um, have I got all that right? Yeah. Um, and kind of, uh, this is a little bizarre, but, uh, you know, Oregon has been doing it predominantly, uh, and lots of, but lots of, uh, twelve teams that I've noticed have been rotating their offensive linemen, um, this year. I don't know. It's maybe like a fad, you know, where it's like, we don't want to just play the same five guys every time we have so many great guys. Um, Oregon state, not so they are playing their five starters, unless they are absolutely, you know, forced to, I don't think I've seen anybody else play this season. Have I missed anything?
2: No, I think, I mean, I, I don't know if anybody else has played this season. Maybe, maybe a down or two here or yeah, for right. some for you know small injury, but nothing nothing of significance as far as playing time.
3: Uh, yeah. Um, uh, I, I think
2: I think part of the reason um, they probably don't rotate is I don't know. I don't know the depth is there quite yet as far as the O line. So I think they I think they're kind of stuck a little bit playing. Okay, we got to play the top five guys, maybe top six if we have to, but I don't know that they have the depth of some of these other schools yet.
3: Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I I love Jim Halchick, the offensive line coach at Oregon state. I think he's probably, you know, the best of the second best in in the pac 12. And he'd, he'd be up there if I had to make a list nationally. Um, the, uh, you know, but he needs a couple of years to work his magic, you know, like, you know, we're, we're not talking about, you know, playing true freshmen here, you know, and we're not talking about playing like four stars, you know, Oregon State predominantly recruits like low three stars, a couple of two stars. I think there's a, I think Kibun Boon was a walk-on. Um, they, they took a couple of transfers, um, Cor- Corbin Sordensen from Portland State and Haneli Bloomfield. I remember we talked about the transfer from Utah State, but like, yeah, I think you're right. Like, um you know, I, I'm not expecting any sort of injuries in this game or anything, um, but like, yeah, we just haven't seen anybody else. Um, it's just been Oregon State style, and it's also sort of Oregon State's like recruiting and development profile that like, you know, these buns aren't ready to take out of the oven, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly, and I think, I mean, Coach M has done an amazing job of, like you said, they don't recruit that highly, but, but give him a couple years, and he's going to coach him upright, and actually, it's to to your point on the transfers, two of the those two of the starters now both Kipper and Eldridge were transfers as well. So
3: that's right. And where did Kipper transfer from? I knew that Eldridge transferred from Arizona. I think you know, along with or the year after Maholchik. I didn't know that Kipper uh, was a transfer. I think
2: Eldridge came right. At, yeah, it was the same year, I believe. Um, Kipper was where was? Oh, Hawaii.
3: Oh, really? Well, yeah. I, I didn't make my but he he, yeah.
2: he only I think he transferred in the middle of his freshman year, if I remember yeah. correctly. So, yeah. Um, any update on Levengood's status? Not that I've seen, just sounds so, the, last, the last I heard is still kind of questionable with that, I believe, an ankle injury. But
3: so you're expecting to see Brewer again at Lift left Guard?
2: I, I would assume so, and at least at this point, I mean,
3: who knows? Yeah,
0: they could
2: wish we Saturday saw could Brewer bring a last change, week. but
3: yeah.
0: Hmm? Oh, I yeah, said been, I wish we saw Brewer last week. No.
3: Nice. <laughs> um. Oh, how amusing! Because the quarterback has the same name. Do you suppose they're related, Adam?
0: Uh, uh, yes. Is that oh, it? Okay. Is, that, <laughs> is that it? I actually don't know. Let's let's say yes.
3: Yeah. Um. Uh, it, Okay, here's what I think about this offensive line. I, I think that uh, Jim Holchick uh, is a really great coach. I think these guys have been developed really well. I think they run block really well. I still think there are athletic limitations. I still see them getting run over. Um, and I think one of the, you know, in in pass protect, they don't give up a lot of sacks for reasons that we've sort of talked about before. But I do see them give them a lot of ground. Um, and uh, and one of the reasons why I think they run much more effectively uh, under center, that's the biggest difference when they switch from under center to uh, the shotgun is that they still try to run sometimes out of the shotgun, but they can't do it. And, and the reason they can't do it in my opinion is because they take the tight ends out of the box and the tight ends are actually really necessary for this run game. I, I don't think that the the offensive line alone is getting this stuff done. Um, and so even though I, I want to praise the offensive line, I still have some criticism for them. You know, that's, that's my take. Do you think I'm off base?
2: No, I think, yeah, a lot of it is just, just scheme by by coaching yeah. staff you know like you said getting the tight ends in there, having them help out um which part of the reason you don't probably don't see them in the past game as much because they're more of blockers but yeah it's definitely it definitely the line definitely has limitations which i think just even speaks more to coach m and yeah. the staff yeah. being able to take what they have and and make it so damn effect
3: yeah Yeah. no i know like you know one of probably the number one thing that i appreciate about this team is that they know who they are and who they aren't you know that they and they don't ask their guys to do stuff that they can't really do and you know they're they're you know, they're aware of what limitations that they have and where they've got depth problems, and they, you know, scheme away from it. Like, I think that's really wise. It doesn't erase the fact that this is, you know, not the most talented team in the world. Like, you know, uh, that is sort of my basic take. Um the other thing that's remarkable about this team is that I, I think, uh, boy, I hope I'm not uh, jinxing them or anything, but I, I, this team has been pretty well off in terms of injuries. I, you know, other than Levin, good, and then you know whatever happened with Neuer and, and Gebbia, um, I, I haven't really seen any serious injury problems anywhere on the offense, or I think on the defense. Have I missed something?
2: Um, there's a, oh, I'm drawing a blank. with a defensive back that's been out for, got hurt a few weeks ago and is out for the season, and I. Now I'm drawing a complete blank on who it is, but, but yeah, for the most part, this team has been really, really healthy. Um,
3: So let's (laughs) Let's cross our fingers that that continues. Like, yeah, yeah. It's it's one of the things we get to the end of the year. And like, usually I can make a one to one, you know, connection for like, this team is doing better than anybody thought. Well, guess what? They didn't have a lot of injuries. And this team is doing worse than a lot of people. thought. guess what? They did have a lot of injuries. And like, I feel like I'm the only person who tracks injuries <laughs> and can tell you that. But anyway. Um, yeah, no, Alton, I, I think. It, sorry. No, no, go in. Oh, Alton yeah.
2: i right. in. There we go. There you go. I, I, there you go. I, sorry, that's been bothering me. I knew it, and it was just sitting in there, and I had to. Yeah, I know. This defense is up. often in a
3: nickel, and I had six guys recording big stats, and I was like, there, "There's something missing here." But yeah, you're right. Julian's man. Well, we'll talk about the DBs in a minute. But I just just to finish up on the offense. Like, I think it's another like credit to the staff that they've, you know, that that like they haven't had to have their depth tested, you know, like they're playing pretty safe. You know, the guys are not real cavalier with their bodies. They're not, you know, no one is not making throws to ride receivers that are about to get them destroyed. You know what I mean? Um, You know, the, the, the run game is fairly safe and, you know, they, they made it to the end of the year, you know, pretty healthy. And I think that's, you know, again, a credit to the staff.
2: Yeah. I think uh, the biggest injury is, is, is like you said, it's been Jevia who's been out all year after Mm -hmm. last year's, came against you guys with it, where a lot of Oregon State fans, and I can't, I don't remember who it was, or a lot of Oregon State fans are still upset with a defender who kind of pulled on, pulled mm-hmm. on
0: champion's yeah. yeah. leg there. and Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> but, Chris ball told him to do like. Sweet, yeah, like, it was, that's leg, exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah. yeah. Well, then Chance we, Nolan comes in and wins it though. So there you go. Maybe
3: it was Chance Nolan who
0: paid the Oregon player. This is the kind of conspiracy theories this show is all about.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm planting the seeds. Travis, I want you to repeat that. (laughs) Yeah, There we
0: go.
3: Let's switch over and talk about the defense. Um, Obviously, there was a coaching change. Um, Do you think the the problems on the defense were Tim Tivisar's fault? It appears so. Like, I... I...
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Going into like I was definitely on the there needs to be a change at some point about halfway through the season I didn't think we would see this drastic of of a change as far as what's um what's taken to, what's what's happened on the field now part of that is the first game was against Stanford who is like on their eighth string quarterback and yeah, right. their offense is terrible
0: anyway. And it's also um, a world beater. Great team, really uh, up there. <laughs> Pac-12, just top tier. Yes, I agree. Yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then you know, Arizona
2: State has a has a pretty good offense, and and Oregon State shut them down as well. So so it's hard to say 100. percent It's all on Tim Dibbs' but it appears at least a large chunk of it was. And I, it's it's yeah, it's it's been absolute night or day. I mean, the past two games, they've the defense has given up. 17 total points. There were like quarters with Tibetar where they're giving up 17 points. So it's it's
3: Yeah, yeah like one I, one of those touchdowns by Arizona State was you know off a block oh, and they had to go like four yards, you know. Yeah, like, you know, no defense yeah. is really gonna stop that. Yeah,
2: so so really the the defense has given up basically ten points in the last two games. Yeah. And
3: I mean, to be perfectly honest, I, I disagree with that assessment. I, I am seeing basically like exactly the same defense, and they just played, you know, an Arizona T- State team awesome. that's like his quit. Like they're. Like, I just finished watching that film, and I was just like, this uh, this team's packed it in. Uh, and so I, I wouldn't be, you know, I don't know. Like, I mean, Trent Bray's got a good pedigree. I actually wouldn't, you know, don't think Oregon State would be making a huge mistake if they just, like, took the interim tag off and kept him. Um, I guess where I was going with this really is that, like, th- this – Tibisar's defensive structure, which basically Bray has kept. Like I, it's like structurally, they haven't really changed anything, I don't think. Or actually, well, let me stop there and ask you that question. Do you think that they have structurally changed anything under Bray?
2: Not really that I've noticed. I, I admittedly I haven't looked that far into it. So I can't I'm I'm probably not the best to answer that. Well, I've, but just, you're, I've just you're been like, oh, same... this this defense looks a lot better. They're playing a lot better. And I don't know. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. I mean, you're seeing the same players, right? Like, it's yeah, 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 not like he sure. has been like, oh, finally, with that grouch out of the way, I can, you know, these other players who are way better, who I've always wanted to play, I can plug them in instead, and they're going to kick it. Like, that's not, you know, what's happened. It's the same dudes.
2: Yeah, the only the only one I, I, I have sort of noticed, and part of it was because Avery Roberts got hurt last game, but mm-hmm. even the past two weeks, you've seen a lot more of uh, Kyrie Fisher-Morris, who's a linebacker, mm-hmm. um, and interestingly enough and so so this is part of the reason where i do think i think part of it on tips even if it's not structurally i i think the defense had just i don't i don't they just didn't respond to him for whatever reason but um right around the time that uh that tips was let go Kyrie morris you know who hadn't played much under tivisar tweeted out the same thing that that uh uh Jonathan Smith tweets out when we get recruits, just tweeted out damn right. Uh, (laughs) So I don't, Uh, so I don't know. And then, and then since then he's played a lot more and he's looked pretty, pretty dang good. So, but, but yeah, for the, for the most part, it doesn't seem that there's a whole lot of huge, significant changes in structure or anything like that as far as, but I do wonder if how much of it is just sort of them responding to the coaching different. And I don't know.
3: Yeah. Yeah it's always difficult to suss that out like cuz you know you're not in the locker room you don't know what kind of like energy you know and and responding to coaching that you're seeing and and when you have a sample that's as small as like Stanford and uh in my opinion packed it in Arizona State team it's like you know ha- how how well are you really going to be able to disentangle that I mean structurally I'm seeing the same sort of like You know, when, when the offense has two tight ends, they put in the nose tackle and play a three, four. And when they have, you know, one tight end, they play it, you know, a two, four, um, you know, they're, they, you know, they, they, they put in a nickel and they take out the nose, um, which, you know, a lot of teams do that, you know, you're always seeing two inside linebackers, which is basically, you know, almost always, you know, Roberts and Spates, but then we've seen mixed in, you know, Fisher Morris, you know, more and more, um. You know, they always have two OBs on the line, you know, which were basically been Hughes, Murray, and, and Sharp, you know, virtually every snap. Um, you know, the the defensive linemen. Actually, I haven't seen much of Isaac uh, Hodgins. Is there – let me yeah. stop there. Is there oh, is yeah, he yeah. an injury or something? Good point. Yeah, that's one we didn't bring up. He hasn't played all season. Yeah, that's – what's – you got the story there? Because he was, like, their leading yeah, defensive lineman going into the year.
2: I cannot remember what the injury is off the top of my head. But, yeah, he just – they they were hopeful that he might be able to come back by the end of the year but it just it, it never really he so far he just hasn't we had foot surgery that's what it was yeah. foot mm-hmm. surgery is he the so, is he
0: the brother of the the receiver oh, that's cool yeah yeah
2: so yeah he hasn't played all year um, but, so basically, but the uh, Keontae Shad who kind of yes. stepped in the trans- yeah the transfer like, from guess, Minnesota transfer from, yeah
3: uh yeah no I think he's I think he's uh Oregon State's best defensive lineman um I might even go so far as to say I think he's their best defensive player period um actually if I said that would you disagree with me
2: I would probably go Avery Roberts but okay but yeah I, I but it, and and part of that is because it's a lot easier to see what Avery Roberts does a lot of the time you know sure. with tackles and sacks and where defensive linemen it's a lot of it's about just getting in there and plugging up holes and you might not get the stats, but you've so, but yeah, he has been, he has been really good for them. Um, it sucks that he's a senior in this is last year, but.
3: <laughs> I feel like most, I, I feel like I, I'm not seeing a ton of defensive line rotation though. Um, you know, there's been a number of transfers out of the program. They, they have Skelton who I think is their only nose tackle. Um, but like, I, I feel like I've pretty much only been seeing Sandberg and, and Shad uh, you know, and a little bit of Rawls. Uh, have I missed anybody?
2: I think that's basically it. You know, every now and then, um, a couple other. But yeah, it's. I think it is sort of kind of like we talked about with the offensive line, where you don't see much rotation. I think it's just because that. Still pretty good lack of depth there so
3: yeah i mean i i to be perfectly honest i sort of think it's what the cal and colorado losses were about i mean not not the purdue and wazoo ones because those teams just want to pass the ball a million times but the the you know what i believe that i was seeing against colorado and cal was just like those teams want to run the ball about a million times because they're way better at running the ball and like i i feel like the defensive front was starting to get fatigued you know in those games um you know, because they were playing ball, control. they're they're basically turning Oregon State's you know thing against them. Um, you know, Cal got that turnover early on, and, and and so you know Oregon State was playing from behind the entire game. Um, and I feel like you know that really affected the game. And what it came down to was defensive line depth. Do you think I'm off base in that theory?
2: No, that's probably. I think that's that definitely has a lot to do with it. It's just like you said, yeah, there's not a whole lot of depth there, and eventually those guys are going to get tired.
3: So. Mm-hmm. yeah it's it's kind of funny like I, I sort of feel like the way to beat this you know the beat to beat this oregon state team other than you know play them w- when you're at home and oregon state is on the road because <laughs> the road doesn't <laughs> real kind to, to the beeves uh i feel like the key is just to turn their you know fight fire with fire you know mm-hmm. like like play ball control against them um and uh you know, be, because, you know, and then the, you know, like, like we were saying with the defensive line, I sort of feel like the, the, the linebacker's sort of the same spot, you know, like they, they've got Roberts and Spates, and, you know, I like those guys a lot, but like, you know, there's Fisher, and then you're going to Coletto, you know, the, 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 the jack of all trades guy, you know what I mean? Um, like, I, I don't think I've seen anybody else in the inside linebacker core. Have I, have I missed anybody?
2: Um, yeah. No one else has, has really played at least significant minutes. I know, um, yeah, the, the, the freshman, Easton
3: Mascanaris. Oh, oh that's right, I did see he, him like he's, a couple of times.
2: He's played a little bit, but yeah, for the most part, it is sort of those those few guys you mentioned getting the vast majority of the time.
3: And then I also sort of feel like I've seen the same thing out of the offense, or excuse me, the, the outside linebackers, right? We're seeing, you know, Hughes Murray, number two, and Riley Sharp, number 56. Riley Sharp feels like he's been there forever. Um I feel like I've been watching Riley Sharp on every – Riley Sharp, Avery Roberts, and Omar Spates on every down for Oregon State for like going back to the Obama administration, you know? (laughs) He's
2: a redshirt sophomore.
3: No way. way. (laughs) Somehow. I love it. Um, With
2: with all the – with the COVID year not counting, there's so many guys where I do look and I'm like, yeah, he's been here forever. Oh, he still has two years. Okay, that makes sense, I guess. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love it. But like um, some of the, oh, one sorry,
2: of the other, so yeah, one of the other injuries I kind of forgot, and it's basically because he hasn't played all year. Um another outside linebacker is uh John McCartan, who mm-hmm. has played a decent amount over the past few years, but um hasn't really played this year. He's been battling injury as well. So so the injury problem has been a little worse than I thought originally, but still for the most part,
3: yeah. Well it's it's like Nobody gets hurt in the middle of the year, you know. They they got hurt at the beginning of the year, and then we've never seen them. Um, Then I
2: forget that they exist. Yeah, (laughs) I get it. Okay, so the the biggest mystery. Sorry on the oregon state linebacking corps is whether or not addison gum is actually a real human and exists
3: yes uh, that's exactly <laughs> what i was about to ask you it's, it's why i started to interrupt you because i was so excited about it it's just like every time we talk we talk about addison gums and i'm like i am not sure i've ever seen him like he might be harvey the rabbit like he might be the guy that andy <laughs> dufresne gave all the wardens money to like uh, like uh, we have never seen this dude and we've been talking about him for years what's gonna be a story? kaiser Sose situation where travis yeah. is
0: actually him <laughs> Gaslighting <laughs> us, I don't know. I honestly, no one knows, and there's
2: been no <laughs> word. It's been he played because he came over uh two years ago, he's a ago four now. star and, from Oklahoma, yeah. And he played and he was coming off an ACL injury. He played mm-hmm. like a game and a half and then got hurt, tore his ACL again. Or I don't, he tore an ACL, I don't remember if it was the same one or if he tore it in the like, and then he missed last year. And then it sounded like he was gonna be gung ho this year and then he just he, he hasn't been dressing a lot of the games. I don't know. He, I, he might not even dress any game. It's one of those like in the beginning of the season, um the uh, the beat reporter for the Oregonian, Nick Dashel, would would always open up, you know, he every week he says, Hey, what doing a mailbag, people questions? The first few weeks people are where is Adam Gums? And then there was never any answer. And then people stopped asking because, mm. <laughs> and so, yeah, I know it is, it, 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 that is one of those mysteries. And it's, I don't know that we're ever going to give an answer. I think just one, I, one day, I think we're going to look at the roster and he's just not going to be there. No one's going to say anything. And it's just going to be like, yeah, I don't think he ever actually existed.
0: I think he's going to be a real have pick six this Saturday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. that, would, all
2: this that would be it. the best. That yeah. would be the best, actually. And
0: yeah. one play. Yeah, right. <laughs>
3: Game winning pick six. Great. Yeah. But, like, that's where I'm going with this, you know, is that, like, we've seen. You know Hughes, Marine, Sharpen, basically every snap. We've seen a little bit of Corey Stover, but that's it. We didn't see McCartan. We didn't see Gums. We didn't see Saluni, the the true freshman. We didn't see Jeremy Reichner, who I think converted defensive line. You know Garcia and Tago and Rashid all obviously all left last year, or at you know after last year. Uh you know it's you know and this is a defense which literally every snap will play. You know, two outside linebackers, and it's like you know, n- nobody in nobody in the linebacker core ever gets a breather. You know, um, is it, sort of where I'm going with this, and I and again, you know, my theory is that you know, make Oregon State you know defend a 15 play drive, uh, you know, because they're not going to be able to rotate is sort of a you know the strategy that that Cal employed and it was successful. Um, do you think I'm off base?
2: No, and I think that's a lot of the reason. You know, even if you kind of switch it, think about our offense philosophically too. Those when they can have those six seven minute drives mm-hmm. and get and make sure the defense can stay off the field for a while, it's when they start going those three and outs. And then like I said the defense is on the field for a while, and that lack of depth does start cropping up because you have more or less the same guys out there all the time. Um, so Looney has played some. Oh he I has? So he yeah, yeah. But
3: oh yeah, I see he's got nine tackles on the year. Yeah. Um all right, let's talk about the defensive backs. Um so you mentioned it's Alton Julian who's out, right? Yeah, um, I'm seeing uh, Rajon Wright as the you know the primary cornerback. Uh, you know the transfer from Lacey. Uh, I think cousin of Nation Wright, who's uh, who's departed from the team. Um, think, go ahead. I think they're brothers, oh,
2: and then Alton Alt Julian's their cousin.
3: Oh, oh, cool. I think um, we saw yep. the 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 one sort of new face or other new face in the defensive backfield is uh Kiten oladapo who remember we talked about over the summer um but otherwise it's all been pretty familiar back there keely arnold alex austin Jadon grant um and i think that's pretty much you know those six guys and really only six because of julian's injury otherwise it'd be five you know or four when they're playing the three down front um and pull the nickel like i you know not to I'm going pretty hard at this theme here but like I don't see a lot of rotation in the defensive backfield I feel like you know these guys are playing pretty much every snap do you, do you think I'm wrong about that
2: yeah no or no I agree um yeah there just doesn't hasn't been a whole lot of whole lot of uh rotation in there and I think one of the ones that I I think people expect a little more of was the um the Kansas transfer Elijah Jones but he has mm-hmm. not played much if at all um at least that i can remember i don't think i don't remember him getting any yeah getting I, rem- I remember
3: I, I remember over the summer we had tabbed him as the new starting db because he was or, or cornerback because he was kansas's starting cornerback um and, and i just thought you know there's sort of a void you know in in oregon state's backfield and i was you know but but you're right i, I don't think we've seen him at all um the uh the what just just in general like what's your assessment of of how well the secondary is played
2: it's been improved from previous years There's still there's times where it's um or it's not looked great mm-hmm. but i think uh again it's probably some of the coaching staff is at least the past couple of games it seems to and i don't know what it is but all of a sudden they seem to be playing the past couple of games yeah, right. but for the most part it's I don't know. They don't do anything that's super exciting and impressive, but they're not terrible anymore. <laughs>
3: that's <Yeah>. pretty good. <laughs> well, uh, which, you know,
2: which which is uh,
3: baby steps. Mm-hmm. I mean, in terms of you know, like in terms of efficiency, the passing defense is Oregon State's second best quadrant. Obviously, the rushing offense is their best quadrant to play, but they're second best at about you know fifty one and a half percent. Efficiency is the is the pass defense. You know the, the problem is they tend to give up some big play. You know some some like twenty yard passes. Like they don't they they don't give like full field. You know passes like that. You know that's what you get for playing a nickel pretty much. You know in obvious passing situations is that you can usually keep the guy from running the field. But like you know if you need a twenty yard pass like you know they're they're giving them up at about you know an 18% rate which is pretty high like you know i i don't think this is the most talented group in the world but i you know i, I don't think well I don't know. Actually, let me ask you that question. I was about to say, I don't think that you can just air raid this team to death, but then I was like, but that's exactly what Wazoo and Purdue did. Um, what, what do you, can, can I ask you, because that, I, I think that Wazoo game was sort of one of the big shock games in the Pac-12 over the year, you know, because everybody's sort of expecting Wazoo to go away and everybody's expecting Oregon State to run away with the division. And instead that game was like, you know, Wow, what a second half comeback! And Oregon State just couldn't stop Wazoo's passing game. What's your what was your read on that game, and what happened in that game? I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> but it did
2: just sort of yeah. I, I I don't know if credit to the Wazoo coaching staff if they went in at halftime and realized, hey, look at this. I think we can. I think we can just throw it. A lot and and it'll work and yeah it did <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah I I don't really have a good answer for that to be honest
3: um, I mean it's crazy like they you know Wazoo came out with just throwing you know constantly in the second mm-hmm. half and, and it's like Oregon State couldn't stop it at all and I don't know I don't know if Oregon is going to be able to replicate that given their <laughs> quarterback situation but like I don't know. It was like crazy how, how, you know, they couldn't really stop it at all. And I don't know. It's difficult. You know, the, the defensive backfield is the hardest for me to assess in film study, because if they're doing their job, you don't see, you know, you don't see the back end at all. On the other hand, I, I feel like, well, let me ask you this about the pass rush. I feel like on my tally sheet, I don't have a whole lot of quarterback pressure when they're only bringing four. I feel like this team needs to blitz to get quarterback pressure. Um, what do you think about that assessment?
2: Yeah, there's not been much there at all. I think they went, I don't remember, I think they won a handful of games without even getting any sacks. Um, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, it's, 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 it, that's been the struggle for Oregon State a lot, <clears throat> a and lot and over yet, the years, except for Hamilcar Rashid going, right, okay. yeah. going off a couple years ago and just getting like eight sacks a game it, himself, it felt like. But <laughs> yeah, for the most part, the, but I mean, this is, you know,
3: I, I have to, I have to figure out the defensive backs by inference. And the inference that I make is like, well, if they're not really, if their pass efficiency is decent and they're not really getting a pass rush with only four and they're not, you know, blitzing like madmen or anything, they pretty much reserve blitzes for third down like most teams. Uh, it sort of implies, even though I can't see it on my screen because, you know, they won't give me the all 22, damn it. Um it sort of implies the defensive backfield is basically doing their job. Um, do you do you think that's a reasonable inference?
2: Yeah, I think that's kind of what. They're not spectacular, but I think they do a decent enough job to where it's they're not terrible anymore. Um, but yeah, I think I think they've done a pretty good job for the most part. It's just there are times where you where you watch and you're like, "What? Where was yeah, right. the defensive back on that?" Well, or a times where we've. There's for some reason a linebacker trying to cover a receiver or running back, I don't know what happens there. But
3: well, yeah, um, no, part of the structure is you know Arizona State had a big one, you know, and you know where it's well they're in man coverage, and the you know is the throw to the running back, and the linebacker has to cover the running back in that structure, and it's just like you know Omar Spates is I'm sure a great guy, he is not the fastest guy I've ever seen, you know, and no, he's uh,
2: a he's a good he's a good linebacker, but he's not he's not. Not a
3: coverage guy. The um I I definitely know what you mean in terms of you know the defensive backs, because like there's definitely been years, you know, recent years, in which you know it was just like, oh my god, the defensive backfield is just atrocious. And you know, it's given up anything, you know, anybody can pass against them. And we're not talking about super talented guys here, you know. I you know, I think we're talking about you know, mid to low three stars across, I think there's a couple of walk-ons. Um you know, and instead, this year, they are fine. You know, I, I think fine is probably the best term to describe them. I'm not trying to, like, be a jerk about it or anything, but, like, you know, I think that's where it's at. Uh, yeah, you-
2: and honestly, after the years we've had, fine looks yeah. <laughs> great. <laughs> <laughs> all right,
3: well, Fair that's enough. all the questions that I've got. Uh, uh Travis, what do you think about this game?
2: Man, I don't know. I... This team has been I, – I haven't really had a good sense going into most games because the, the games that I'm like – that I've been nervous about, you know, i was nervous about UFC, we end up blowing the doors off them. You know, you're – I felt –